This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of March 23rd, 2014, and this is Michael Howley welcoming you to episode 124 of Defender Radio. We're always trying to discover new ways to spread our message, whether it's to go fur-free, coexist, or simply be more compassionate. This week, we're chatting with two people who are working towards similar goals with different approaches. We'll hear from Kim Elmsley, Communications and Advocacy Manager for the Canadian Federation of Humane Societies, who will chat with us about their upcoming National Animal Welfare Conference in Toronto. Then we'll talk with recording artist Gaiazai, a supporter who was inspired by one of our campaigns and wrote a song, for which he also created a music video about the fur industry. Recently, it was added to Upworthy and is quickly gaining popularity. Before we get started, I want to tell you a bit about our own conference taking place next month in Calgary. Defender Radio News On Saturday, April 12, APFA is hosting a celebration of wildlife. From 1 to 5 p.m. at the University of Calgary, our guests will get to hear from Alberta's top wildlife experts, including internationally acclaimed Charlie Russell, star of the documentary Bear Man of Kamchatka. This event will bring together individuals and organizations to raise compassionate awareness for the plight of animals in Canada. It aims to create lasting partnerships and inspire the community to action for the animals. Whether you are a politician, a rancher, or simply someone who has a love for wildlife and the environment, this is an event you will not want to miss. You will come away inspired and connected with like-minded individuals from across the province. Find out more about the event, our speakers, and register online at furbeardefenders.com. Defender Radio News The National Animal Welfare Conference kicks off on April 11th, hosted by the Canadian Federation of Humane Societies, and will raise issues surrounding domestic animals, farm animals, and animal welfare policy. We connected with Kim Elmsley, Communications and Advocacy Manager for the CFHS, last week. So we're going to talk a bit about uh, what the CFHS is and what the organization does. So we are a national body. We represent SPCAs and humane societies and like-minded groups across the country at the national level. So we work on various different issues, including um, animals on the farm. We do a lot of companion animal research. Um, the way law laws impact animals are sort of our primary areas that we're working on. What is the conference all about? How did uh, the idea for it come to be and what's, uh, what's the expectation of it? Sure. Well, the CFHS did run conferences in years past, and then um, we, we, you know, we had sort of we had stopped that for for a short amount of time. And the leadership right now at the CFHS and all of the staff are new within the last three years, so it's a completely new and revitalized organization. And um, one of the things that we decided that we wanted to do as we were coming out with our new strategic plan was to really bring together. Um, animal welfareists in Canada. Um, often we hear, you know, people going down to the United States uh, to 
you know, to conferences that are running down there to learn more because, you know, a conference is just such a phenomenal medium for people to come together and to learn and to share, to connect, to create networks, you know, to hear about what is what is going on. So this this is a something that we wanted to fill in Canada. And we were doing a, a big research report on cats, and it was very interesting in that we heard a lot of different stakeholders that we were talking to referring to things that were coming out of the United States, some research out of the United States. But as we put together our cat task force, we started to realize how many experts there are here in Canada and even in the animal welfare realm that I don't think we truly appreciate um, Canadians, you know, ourselves, and I think part of it probably is part of the Canadian identity and the Canadian consciousness, consciousness for some reason to always look to the South. Maybe it's the whole big brother, little brother thing. But, um, you know, we really want to celebrate our Canadian experts and, and to give them their due. So this is one of the things that we wanted to do through the conference as well. That's something that we do uh, also in our conferences. We've got one in Calgary, um, the same weekend as yours in Ottawa or Toronto, sorry. And we've also got one in uh, October planned for um, Ottawa, most likely. And uh, that's something that people are often shocked to find out is how many experts there are. And we obviously look at wildlife as opposed to domestic pets and uh, farm animals. But do you think people will be able to appreciate that depth of knowledge available within our own communities? Well, so far we've had really good feedback on the content of the conference. So certainly I think once people come to the conference, or now that they've seen uh, the schedule, they're starting to understand um, the level of expertise that is here. And I think it will only build with this being first year. And you probably experienced it in, in your conference as well. You know, you each year it builds and people start to have a greater depth of understanding and they, they just see what a phenomenal event and learning experience it is. So, you know, I think it, at this point I'm really proud of the content that, that we've put together. What about the uh, feral cat issue? I, I know that's something you're looking at. And uh, again, we're not really focused on that as an organization. But when I have looked at it, there seems to be such a wide diversity of opinions and solutions. So at the conference, are you going to be proposing a solution or is it going to be fostering more discussion? It's really about fostering discussion. We did do a report on cats where, and, and we didn't get a lot of data from the feral slash, you know, trap neuter return group to, to really make good, you know, have good output at, at that point on, on what we can say. Um, but we do have a whole track on cats because certainly when you look at, at companion animal welfare issues, the way that we treat cats and what's happening with cats is one of the biggest issues that's out there. So, um, again, it's, it's a way to present information and to get people talking. Uh, one of the things the CAHS had done last year is that we did do some stakeholder meetings because I think when we look for solutions in a community, it's, it can also be specific to 
various things that are happening in the region. So we did try to go across the country and have these stakeholder meetings in each region so that all the stakeholders could come together and look at, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses within their community and what can they do to help cats within that community. Excellent. Um, what what can people who are attending really expect to walk away from uh, from the event with? Well, you know, our vision, of course, is that people will see what a valuable, um, just what an valuable experience it is from both the knowledge, uh, the networking. They'll see that this really is, you know, a world-class level conference that they don't need um, to go down to the United States to get the kind of information that they can get here. And that hopefully it will help bring some unity to the animal welfare, um, animal rights spectrum within Canada, which I think, you know, when we, when we talk about animal welfare, we're certainly all on, on a spectrum from, you know, some of the companion, um, wildlife issues, which certainly, you know, as a wildlife person, you know, that companion animals are probably the most protected, although not well protected, but certainly the most protected, um, animals, uh, when, it, when you look at laws. So, Again, so what's the unity that we're all on the spectrum together? Hopefully we're all, you know, we're all moving in the same direction, which is to create a better, more humane Canada. So, you know, really opening your eyes, learning and understanding and moving that spectrum and moving animal welfare forward. Excellent. So it's not just people interested in, say, domestic cats or domestic dogs. You're, you're going to have something that can really impact everybody. That's right. We do have um, an animal welfare in the public forum panel, and there's a lot of um, topics in that panel that I think would be open to, to people. So we're doing one on one topic called the power of a story, which again is we're bringing, um, you're probably familiar with uh, Joanne MacArthur from We Animals. Yep. So she will be on that panel as well, uh, Liz Marshall, um, and uh, you know a couple of other speakers to talk about how you capture and articulate a story. Um, we've also got Rob Laidlaw coming to talk about some of the impacts that we have on captive animals here, both uh, captive marine mammals, um, obviously the marine land issue, and then what we're having with the exotic wildlife trade and what we're seeing with um, exotics. So both from the fact of how they're in, what tracing it right back to the impact of what's happening in the wild to these animals that are being brought in and then, you know, how deplorable it is once they're in captivity. So there, there is a lot for everyone um, at the conference. I saw that you've got Jane Goodall as your keynote speaker. Uh, that That's everybody got excited when they saw Jane was going to be speaking. <laughs> um, so what's, uh, how is Jane going to be uh, presenting to uh, the audience? What's she going to be talking about? She is going to give the, the keynote um, speech in, in the morning, on the Sunday morning, and setting the tone for the conference. And, and her talks, if you've ever seen her before or, or read her, her books, is always about hope and about moving things forward and the fact that, that we can all make a difference and that individuals can make a difference. So, and I know it's, it's probably easy when you're in this movement to sometimes feel very disparaged. I know, um, you know, in the last few months, looking at some of the wildlife issues and watching, you know, the, the horrible poaching that is going on for elephants in Africa and the, you know, the, the poisoning of the drinking wells and, and the impact that this has had, you know, sometimes you can feel a hopelessness 
And even here in Canada with some of the things that we're seeing, a return of the spring bear hunt um, in Ontario, uh, weakening of legislation to protect polar bears in Manitoba. I mean, you know, you can start to feel a little bit discouraged. And one of the wonderful things um, with Dr. Goodall is that she really does frame things in such a positive way and kind of give you that infusion of hope that it can be done, you know, it just re-engages you and, and drives things forward. To learn more about the National Animal Welfare Conference, visit cfhs.ca. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. First, they tear a hole in your roof. Then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control. We'll humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at GatesWildlifeControl.com or call 416-750-9453. BearSmart.com is the most comprehensive resource on the web for all things bear. At BearSmart.com, we work hard to ensure people and bears safely and respectfully coexist. Join us as we give bears a voice at BearSmart.com. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America's song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada... We're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing Keystone species. Every year, dogs, cats, endangered species, and even people are caught in cruel leg hold, conibear, and other body gripping traps across Canada. Who will speak out for these innocent victims of an outdated industry? We will. I'm Leslie Fox, Executive Director of the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. With your support, we can bring an end to the needless and painful deaths of hundreds of thousands of animals. Become a member today at FurBearerDefenders.com to find out how you can give hope for our fur-bearing friends. Hi, my name is Beth Naked, and you're listening to Defender Radio. Tell a Friend is the song composed by Toronto musician Gayazai after he learned the truth about fur trim. The song is rapidly growing in popularity now that his music video is playing on Upworthy. Gayazai joined us recently to share his personal story and how his video is helping spread awareness about the fur industry. So to start, I wanted to talk with you a bit about uh, just yourself, your background as a musician. Uh, well, I started writing music, uh, I think, grade grade ten in high school. So that would have been uh, that would be two thousand. And uh, I mean, it kind of started for me just as like entertainment. I mean, music is kind of uh, 
I would call it exercise for your mind. It's just, just, it's just a game for your mind, essentially creating melodies, creating rhymes and such. Um, and then as I began to realize how, how powerful it could be both by, for myself, just by writing lyrics and then learning about the effect of artists like Bob Marley, Rage Against the Machine, then I started kind of transform. It became the dominant force in my life, just seeing what was happening in the world and realizing that I could, you know, the only way I understood how to make a difference about it was to spread ideas, spread messages with music. It just took over my life. And how did that tie? Well, I guess let's start back. How did you get involved with animal advocacy? Because those are the two parts to you, really, that I'm aware of. So how did you get into the animal side of things? You know, I've, I've, I guess since I think a lot of kids, including myself, have a phase when they're very, very young, when they first realize that uh, that anim- that meat is animals, that they you know want to stop eating meat. And, and I remember really, really young as a child wanting to stop eating cows just the very first time I was in Vermont, I think, with my family, met some cows and or was close enough to them that I realized what you know, beautiful creatures they were and just, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to eat them. But it's difficult when you're a child, you don't have control over your own food, et cetera. And the very last day of high school, um, I made a bet with one of my friends that uh, let's see who could be vegetarian longer. And at the time I ate a lot of meat. And so I didn't think I'd be able to last two days. Um, Turns out at the end of two weeks, I was just feeling a lot better uh, physically, just more energetic, just all around feeling much better. And I was such a picky eater beforehand that becoming vegetarian forced me to really open my mind to, you know, different types of cooking and now Thai food, Indian food are my favorite. Whereas back then I wouldn't have even thought about it. So I think, and then getting into vegetarianism uh, just exposed me to community. And from that community, all this knowledge of the bigger picture of, of animal issues came up and it wasn't, wasn't anything overnight. It was, you know, over time. And then I think in the recent times, I think Facebook itself is actually an incredibly useful tool because in your newsfeed, I mean, if you're liking, animal rights groups. You're going to be getting information, new ideas every single day through Facebook. So So how did you then tie the animal welfare stuff you're learning about in with the music? Like what was the first step there? Um, Well, with myself, when I'm writing uh, music, it's really just, it's really just the same thing as thinking in regular words. I mean, just anything I can think about on a daily basis from the most serious things to the most silly things. I mean, I have songs that are more comedic and I have songs that are about dancing and songs about everything in life. So being as, uh, you know, seeing, seeing what I do, seeing what I see as far as animal issues every day, um, it naturally just became a really common subject matter. And because animals themselves don't have a voice, I mean, I have a lot of issue, a lot of songs written about social issues as well, but there's a lot of really eloquent people who are, who are fighting, you know, for their rights, fighting for the people. And I want to support them. And I do uh, through my music, but when it comes to animals, it really just became central to me because they can't fight for themselves. They, you know, they're, they, they don't speak English uh, yet. <laughs> and well, actually, sorry. I mean, there is gorillas and there is uh, primates that understand sign language. So I shouldn't even say that, but uh, they, they can't communicate by and large with the human race. And, and uh, because of our machinery, uh, we've completely overpowered and enslaved them, sadly, for the most part. So it just became central to me, um, seeing the scale of suffering as well. I mean, dealing with billions and billions and billions of creatures. When I first heard your uh, song about the fur trade, I was a little shocked that you had very clearly found a way to enunciate the issues with it. Um, what was the development of that song like? That that song actually is 100% needs to be uh, credit needs to go to Fur Bear Defenders because 
two the winter before last and everything before that, I'm sure Canada Goose jackets were popular and I saw them. And it would never even cross my mind that it was real fur. It was just something in, in the scenery on the subway. And I just just didn't think twice about it. I looked at it and then probably just assumed it was fake or I don't know. I didn't even think about it. And then last winter, um, Fur Bear Defenders ran a major campaign on the Toronto subways and public transit um, where you had a, a, you know, a picture of someone in, in I'm sure you remember the campaign, a picture of someone wearing a, a, the fur trim hoodie and uh, and detailing, you know, you know, there's there's a bigger story to this that exposed me to the Fur Bear Defenders got me to start doing research on it, um, seeing videos. And then really the the, uh, the breaking point for me, I would say, is there, there's one particular video um, that, that you guys have that that shows a lynx. And that's, I use a lot, of, I use quite a bit of that footage in, in Telefriend um, where a lynx is caught in a trap. And that just completely terrorized me. I mean, I have two cats um, who to me are, are my adopted children. You know, I refer to them as my son and my daughter and I love them 100% completely as much as I love my human family members. So seeing a lynx in that situation was just, just destroyed me. And I just had to do something about it. And uh, not that, I mean, I love dogs as well. I absolutely love dogs and seeing the other animals in the, in the, uh, in the traps was, was horrible as well. One of the things I found interesting about the video um, is the scenes uh, of yourself and other people showing uh, information about fur trim to folks and anyone who's done outreach work is very, very familiar with the expressions on the faces of people in the video, the, the people who look away, the people who cover their mouths and are just shocked. Uh, what was that part of the experience like for you? Well, to be, to be honest, actually, the only reason that song and video happened was originally my idea was to make a difference about it was to try and start a new trend where people film themselves or film their friends showing images of of uh animals caught in traps to people who are actually in the store looking at, at Canada Goose jackets. And I was going to come to Fur Bear Defenders and say, hey, this is a, you know, I'll film one video of, of us going to someone in the store here in Toronto and let's try and get people to do this everywhere. One night I just happened to be going for a walk um and having thinking thinking about these issues all the time, the song came out and I'm like, well hey, here, here's a much here's a here's a way with a catchy melody to to get the same concept out. And then we included that in the video and then all these other visuals uh just came up you know from the moment i write this i wrote the song it was uh i believe it was right before new year's 2013 and i just dropped everything i was doing i was like this has to come out immediately i generally take forever with songs i do so many recording sessions it's a huge process of development refining and and with that song i was like no this is not going to take forever it needs to come out this winter because i know people forget about it in the uh in the spring and summertime because they don't see the fur everywhere and so i just did everything possible brainstorming the video recorded the song as quick as i could and, and uh thankfully released it after six weeks and it's a great video, great song. Uh, what kind of reaction have you gotten from people? And, and I'm thinking more people who know you and are familiar with your music. Uh, well, over, yeah, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, I, I do know I have quite a few friends. You know, not all my friends are animal rights activists. So I, I have quite a few friends who wear those jackets. And, uh, you know, people said they're just extremely sorry, embarrassed to, to have the coats, you know, wondering what to do with the fur trim. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I have met some relatively hypocritical people including vegetarians who wear the fur trim and you know i tell them what it is and i can still see them wearing it so i some people i don't understand them psychologically but as far as the reaction to the song yeah it's been it's been positive with any animal rights message you're going to have trolls obviously you're going to have the uh the sick-minded people who you know say stupid negative comments and and make fun of the suffering of animals um, but they're an extremely small minority 
and and everyone else. I mean, most people I'd say are neutral. They don't own fur trim. They're not necessarily animal rights activists, but they're not psychopaths who hate animals. And so that's, I think, the the, the crux of this video is getting it out to those people and uh, who may have in the future given money to the fur industry. And, and the concept I've always said is vaccination. It's like we're giving them a, a mental vaccine from the idea of ever buying fur. And hopefully, you know, enough people get that message. We'll just kill the fur industry entirely. One of the more recent developments is that the video, uh, the censored version of the video has appeared on Upworthy, a very popular website with uh, videos for social media folks. Uh, what's the uh, importance of getting that out for you? Uh, I, I mean, for me, that was massive. I mean, just that article itself got it to thousands and thousands of people. Um, as soon as they published it, I was like, okay, well, here, here it comes. Let's see what happens when they share it on Facebook. Um, Upworthy, it turns out, is a business. So although they do share articles about, you know, climate change and environmental issues, animal rights issues on occasion, um, in general, they only really promote stories that that uh, are being paid for. Um, so it reached thousands of people just by going onto the website, but nothing more for the moment, because I don't have uh, a huge amount of money to they I mean, the beginning prices for their campaigns are astronomical. I think they're run by big companies and NG and uh, really big NGOs, et cetera. So I'm hoping, I mean, between now and next winter, when, uh, when we really start restart the fight again, to hopefully get some kind of backing from record companies or from, um, you know, any kind of supporters. So not just through Upworthy, but in general, we can really just go all out against the fur industry. I, it's a life and death issue. And I don't want to, I don't want to wait, you know, to do anything to, to, to destroy the industry. What uh, what would you recommend for folks who maybe see the video and want to get more involved? Well, Fur Bear Defenders is the, in my opinion, is the uh, is the center of global activism on the issue. I mean, your organization has been doing it since the 1940s, if I'm correct, right? It's actually the 1930s we've recently discovered. Wow. Yeah, and <laughs> we've so, been around the block. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, and, and all the information... All the uh, materials for activists are coming from the Fur Bear Defenders. So I would say, you know, being in touch with them, you know, Facebook is always a great, great place to subscribe um, to Fur Bear Defenders and be constantly in touch with activist campaigns. Aside from that, it really depends uh, what you do in life. I mean, everyone can talk to their friends at any given point um, as far as as doing something more than that. For artists, there's, you know, it depends what kind of art form you do. If you have any kind of platform, be it in schools, be it in the workplace, to share the opportunity to talk about this, people need to, to stop being shy about this. The, the issue with talking about fur for a lot of people is that we all know someone who has, has one of these jackets. And so a lot of us are Canadians, especially we're super polite and we don't want to embarrass people and we don't want to make them feel, um, you know, ashamed of themselves. But let's just remember that. I mean, that's fine. It's, it's nice to not want to offend people and such, but that person's feeling of shame is a very, very minor emotion that doesn't really harm them. Whereas having, you know, bleeding to death in a trap is the end of your life. And it's not just the end of the life of one animal. If it's a coyote, they're, they're a social species. There's going to be mothers, there's going to be fathers, there's going to be sons and daughters and, and brothers and sisters that miss that animal, that are heartbroken because that animal is killed. So we'll just put that in context and remember to always not be afraid to speak out for them. To check out the video, visit us at furbeardefenders.com or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash furfree. That's the show for this week, folks. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us, 
and Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control for his ongoing support of Defender Radio. To find out more about APFA, any of our guests, or our upcoming celebration of wildlife in Calgary, visit FurBearDefenders.com. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.